At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Yes, we have lots of rational thoughts here at the Author Brand Show. This is Doug Crow, your host, and I've got a special guest today, like they all are special, but this was a certified coach. She's a seasoned group facilitator. Um, she's author of the Amazon bestselling book, Talking Change. It's a must-have conversations for successful leaders. Uh, and now clients seek this person out to help them build leadership, depth, implement change that sticks, coach and train their people to become resilient, uh, change savvy leaders who adapt, innovate, and inspire their teams and organizations to realize, obviously, results. Um, and it's very important to understand that when she does this, she facilitates conversations to improve team dynamics. Uh, engage in aligned teams around common goals, behaviors, expectations, and create structure, process, and habits to sustain success. Welcome to the show, the lovely Miss Jennifer Campbell. Jennifer, how are you today? I am great, Doug. How about yourself? Terrific, thank you. So we have a few minutes to talk about change here. Everyone loves change. No, many people hate it. But I want to find out why people should listen to us for the next 20 minutes or so. Why should they stick around? What's the biggest takeaway we can give them before we start here? Well, think about the last change that you've done. Any change that you've done in your life, when have you ever not had a conversation to make it happen? Ooh, yeah, you don't do it without talking about it, right? Don't do it without talking about it. Whether that's conversations with yourself, I often say I live in a ski town. Uh, you know, many times I have stood at the top of a very sketchy, icy looking run and had to talk myself into pointing my skis downhill and make that change to be skiing yeah. versus standing there. Um, or any change you do within an organization, right? In a team, there needs to be conversation to make that happen. People need to feel heard. They feel heard when they're engaged in conversation so they can, you can get people through their resistance. So conversation is the way to tackle resistance to change because resistance to change is inevitable and yeah. conversation is a way to work through it. So it's funny because, you know, everything is always changing. Nothing is really static in the world. That's, you know, molecules are always moving and we're always in motion changing anyway. Why are we so deathly afraid of it? You know, I've been having a lot of conversations with leaders recently, and I had somebody say they're they're it's less afraid of being change and change of change and more afraid of being changed by others or being told what to do kind of thing. Because oh. people we make change all the time, right? So yes. think about it. Um, I want to learn something new, I want to learn a new language, I wanted to learn how to ski. Um, I want to travel to a different location. So I figure out all the things I have to do. I get the shots for that, things like that. So we make changes all the time that we want to make. But when change is imposed on us uh, and we lose that, some of that control, we don't always like that feeling of being changed by others. So we want to try to make it feel like it's somebody else's uh, decision when there's a change coming, huh? You know, you want to well, we want to we want to understand why. Why are they making right. this change? What's that decision? Um, and what's in it for me? Right. That's often a lot of times what people are looking for. And they want to feel like they've had people like to feel like they've had a little bit of say in their life and not just yeah. that they're totally being controlled. Right. So right. understanding um, what that is and how I can how I can figure out how this is going to work for me. OK, so it's not so you change yourself. It's the it's the unknown of someone controlling you or or is it yeah. is it? Let me ask you, let me drill down a little deeper now on this. If somebody's um, reluctant to be told what to do, it's a control issue. If it's an unknown thing, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, mm -hmm. that could be more based on fear. 
Is it both yeah. those things or is it more one or the other? You know, a lot of times, and I say people don't like change. We do like change because we make change. We don't like loss either, right? Like, so mm -hmm. if I have often, and I do this, uh, this, um, thing when I do training called the seven dynamics of change brought to the life by Ken Blanchard years ago. And he talks about one of the seven dynamics is loss. So we always think about what are we going to lose first? So if a change is coming mm. at me, um, uh, it, let's say in an organization, right? Mm. I may be losing status in the organization. I may be losing my job. I may be losing the autonomy that I had in my job. So when something changes, I think about, well, what is it that I'm going to lose right away? That's often okay. one of the things we go to first versus what I might be gaining. So people have that that fear that you talk about can be fear of losing something. Uh -huh. Okay. So if you could give us an example of a, a best case or a use case of you working with an organization, you know, whenever, like recently, where there was a, a pretty, pretty significant change happening, what did that leader do to make it a little more palpable? I'll give you, you know, and just as you said that, it made me think of a leader. And one of the reasons I came up with the conversations in the book has to yeah. do with um, a leader who was resistant to change. So she was, uh, she was coming down from global. So this leader needed to take her organization because she's part of a global organization into a new, uh, into a new system. And you could tell that she was hesitant to do this. And so she was saying all the right things. We have to do this. Um, let's get the team together. What's the right communications? Let's get some people who are rallied around um, what our concerns are with this new platform and take those forward to global. But you could tell that she wasn't totally bought into this. So then that makes it obvious for people when if the leader's not bought in, it's hard for you to as the leader to rally everybody else. So that's just one thing to be conscious of. And I talk in the book about self-reflection conversations of you know, how are you approaching this as the leader of the change, whether you've chosen this change or not, you're in charge of getting other people on board and uh, doing some self-reflection to think about where am I resistant? What are my roadblocks? Um, how can I prepare myself to be a better leader of this change so I can get everybody else through it? So one of the places I've seen this work well, yeah, yeah go ahead. You're gonna no, no, go ahead. Okay, keep going. I've got to, I'm writing down questions here on my whiteboard. Go ahead. Uh, well, I've seen this work well in organizations. So many years ago, um, I did a merger and an acquisition. Uh, it was two companies merged. Um, and, you know, the leaders were really great at bringing those teams together. And I was a consultant on this project. One of the simple things we did was just get people in the same room. So there was two operations departments. They worked on different floors. And so from these two different organizations, mm -hmm. one, it was like an upgrade and not a lot of change for one in terms of their tools and their process. The other right. one, it was totally different. Uh -huh. So I said, hey, why don't we, unless those people are talking to each other, they're never going to get along because especially yeah. too, right? When you're not in conversation, it's always an us and them. So you think I can't see what they're doing. So they must mm -hmm. not be doing something right. And so mm -hmm. we get all these assumptions. I mean, we've seen this in work from home, right? We've got, there's mm -hmm. been some of this as well. So we made this simple, yet I say powerful move of we put those two teams on the same floor. They came in Monday morning, all their desks had been moved. So they were sitting sort of one opposite each other, this company, that company. Now they have, they're forced to talk to each other um, and learn from each other. And it was such a, it just worked so well. It took them a couple of weeks, but by that point, then they start asking each other questions and learning from mm. each other and they became a team. So that's, wow. you know, it doesn't have to be like huge, powerful moves. Right. It can be just simple things to get people talking.
-hmm. and having conversations. Yeah, just, I love that. Uh, taking that unknown is having them it's kind of like one of those team building exercises, right? Move the desk yeah. around. They got to talk. conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are there examples you have? Um, I'm sure some people, when it's when it's an abrupt change, like a merger or merger acquisition, it's obvious. Mm -hmm. Are there changes that are so subtle that the leaders or the participants may or may not even know about it? I'm sure there are. Yes. Yeah. So you can have things. That, and it like may be. That, sorry, go ahead. An example. Let's say let's say the um the economy sometimes ships rapidly. Sometimes it's a slow boil. Yeah. And we don't recognize the changes in our industry. So it's not even not even aware to us. So after the fact, is there any indicators people can look for to anticipate change? I guess is my point. And that, I, I mean, I come back to conversations too, right? And that's where I think, you know, one of the first conversations I talk about in what's called the planning and managing conversation section is mm -hmm. why are we changing? And that's, you know, as, as organizations can have their regular sort of business planning and gut check conversations throughout mm -hmm. the year, it's, it's looking at that and talking about why do we need to change and why now, or why are we not changing? And it's really doing that. It's that constant scan of your mm -hmm. industry, right? Whether it's what are your competitors doing? What are your non-competitors, like sort of adjacent organizations mm -hmm. doing? Um, and just keeping an eye on what's happening and deciding because mm -hmm. making change is often a choice, right? So are, are we deciding to do something different? or keeping our status quo. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how about an example of somebody who's, uh, you know, super resistant to any conversation, but I don't want to talk about this. Everything's you know, the way I've done it is just fine. Let's say the, a person who's, uh, you know, been with the company for many, many years, new boss comes to town, talk about some changes. The person's like, no, 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 you don't know what you're saying. And we've done this way for 30 years. How do you address someone who's really stuck on their ways? <laughs> Often those people that have been around for 30 years have seen this movie before, right? They have seen every change come through and they have waited it out or mm -hmm. they've, you know, I say move fast and don't make eye contact and they just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, they're generally sort of a good enough performer that people sort of leave them alone. Mm -hmm. um, the So that definitely happens. And I think as a new leader, uh, one of the things is to, again, talk to all these different people. So ask them like the status quo exists for a reason, right? So people have done a lot of work to, to get to the status quo. Yeah. And so you can't just come in as a new leader and blow it up, right? You need to understand, okay. well, why does it work this way? I was talking to someone recently and, and he was saying, we, we went and we, we were making this change to this, this process. And he, and we thought it was going to be great because we knew it was a cumbersome process. And so we okay. put in all this new way. And then once they did that, what they found out was, well, there was actually only one person in the organization who did the process because everybody else just got this one person to do it all the time. Oh, wow. And so that person, this woman was, was very resistant because this was her whole mm -hmm. job. She did everybody else's job for this too. And, uh, and so they hadn't done their homework on, well, why does this, the status quo exist now? Oh. So it's, you know, especially if you're coming in as a new leader, figuring out why do things happen like they do now, mm -hmm. understand that and figure out where are the pain points? Are people happy about this? Not happy about this? I mean, one of the things too is if like you say your example of somebody doing this for 30 years, well, yeah. they're stuck. You're, you get stuck in your ways, right? You get pretty complacent and it doesn't take 30 years to do that. It can take three months to do that. Think yeah. of yeah. the way we work at home now, right? I mean, now it's been two years, yeah. but we're pretty stuck in our ways and 
to go back. I know I've been on a plane only once, I think, in the last two years. And I used to travel all the time, but you totally forget how to do it. Like, I used to be really good at this traveling thing and what I packed and how I went through the airport and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you get really rusty really quickly. So, yeah. uh, you know, figure out why that status quo exists, where people might resist and have some conversations and just understand, be curious. I know yeah. you're big in curiosity. I love curiosity. So it's, <laughs> it's a tenant for my my whole my book coming up. That's right. Um, when you when you talk to people, there's obviously you've had a lot of you know experience in this and case studies. What's the biggest successful change you've seen in an organization, and how do they do it with your with your book and your what you're what you're teaching? Uh, oh, when you said that, I first jumped back to like a change we made 20 years ago. So this is yeah, long pre book, but. Um, it was, it worked in an insurance organization and we were bringing in uh, a new, what we call our sales and service management system. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was something new. It wasn't happening in the store. This is a really old school organization where, you know, people just, there was no structure. So we mm -hmm. were bringing in structure. So we did a couple of things. One was we, we actually had the conversation of why are we doing this and why now? So we figured mm -hmm. out that um, we needed to be tracking this. We're bringing on all these new insurance agents. We needed some structure around this. So we knew where things were at and they knew where things are at. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we put it all, put all the pieces together. So we did a really good job of understanding all the stuff that was used now and organizing it for them. So that's the structure and process you talked mm -hmm. about at the beginning. So get that structure and process. And then it was just, we were very consistent in how we rolled it out. So there was yeah. the conversations on that one each week where we're actually using the tools. So we were not just talking about the tools, like giving some training up front and then leaving them. Like basically yeah. the conversations we had all the time were essentially mm -hmm. training on how we were doing this and how this conversation was going to go on a regular basis. So they could sort of learned a bit of a piece every week and got better at things and brought their, like, how do I fill out this form or, how do I track my sales? Because then it also helped them when we brought that in, in tracking their sales and their sales funnel, right? They could figure out how to get better. So this change also incrementally helped them get better um, as we took them through it. Wow. So you actually did some, uh, obviously, you know, piece at a time, but you have some real world examples of the success of those changes mm -hmm. as opposed to dumping the whole thing. Here's your new CRM. Good luck. Yeah. Yes, because I've seen that happen before as well, especially in insurance with a CRM where it's like these guys were used to like writing orders on the back of napkins, literally, and then brought in a new site CRM. So this is actually the same organization. That was one change that didn't work very well. And this other change when we brought in, um, I'm going to say it was a much more manual process because that's the state where they were at at the time, but helped them track their sales, track their sales funnel. Where were they closing sales? Where were they not? And really just helped them through it. So having those ongoing conversations with them to figure out um, this is this is where you're getting and how do I get to the next stage? And so there was a lot of support and coaching for them as well. Yeah, very interesting. What's been like the biggest, um, in your experience, you've had a lot, dealt with a lot of different companies and people and personalities. What's the number one hurdle that you've had to overcome in this whole journey? That like a you. change that I've seen or for me? We'll start with you. I like keep it personal. For you, what's the biggest thing for you? You because when you when you teach and guide, you're also learning. So I'm gonna ask you what's totally. the biggest yeah. 
Totally. Well, I would say, I'm going to say, if I talk about writing a book, which was a big change for me, I think my English teacher in high school was never thinking that I would be doing that. Yeah. Just because that English right there was not that great. Uh, so, so just getting it's, it's the perseverance. So I talk in the book too, somewhere about, you know, when you're in the middle of a change that you're making, and I'll take my book as an example, um, you get to a point where you think, why am I doing this? Like, it's too hard. And I, yeah. and I often talk about the marathon effect with change too, right? Some people, the people, especially the people who have decided on the change and chosen it, they run yeah. the marathon. So they're at the end and now they're telling everybody else about it and want them to be on board. Well, these people are like, they don't even have their shoes on yet, let alone tying up their laces. And so fine, they get their laces on and there we are. And they're running the marathon and they're getting, you know, they're at mile 10 and thinking, they, they hit the wall. like this <laughs> sucks. And, uh, and so it's that perseverance to keep going. That's one of the mm -hmm. biggest challenges and change. Right. I worked with this organization one time and their manager went off on leave and their manager, they were having mm -hmm. a really tough time with this manager. And I was in there to try and help fix this kind yeah. of personal personnel situation. Sure. And unfortunately she went off on leave. I was there. And, and so I talked to every single person and every single person was pretty negative about this person and how this person managed and things like that. And so we're like, okay, well, the person's not here right now. So let's make some changes while this person's not here. And we we made some changes. And then it meant that they had to step up a little bit more because there wasn't a leader at the time. Mm -hmm. And we got a few months in and I they started to change their tune. Oh, maybe she wasn't so bad. You know what? It was she was okay. Like it wasn't quite as bad huh. as we thought. And so we forget. Um, because now it's hard for them because they've got to step up, step up. They've got to do more. And they and now they they go back to hold on. We would like we would like her back. Like maybe it wasn't as bad. And so I read back to them, like, here's all the things that you've told me that weren't working. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's right. So, you know, we go through change that can take a long time at times. Yeah. And it's fatigue. Right. We get, oh, man, like, is it really worth going through this? And mm -hmm. so you need to get to that tipping point, like when you're, and I've never run a marathon, so I don't know, but I'm guessing there's sort of a tipping point at some mile where you're like, you know what, the last five miles is sort of nothing or something, I don't know. Um, yeah. But you get to that point where you're in that groove and you get over that hurdle um, to go forward. And I would say the same thing as I wrote this book, like I can remember going down, going upstairs to my husband and going, oh my gosh, I can see why people don't write books because this is really hard to sort of figure out how you're going to organize everything yep. and what you're going to do. And, you know, until I sort of got past that hurdle of like, oh, this is how I'm going to organize it to get it done. And then I could finish. Uh, it was really challenging, mentally challenging, yeah. right? It's that mental, like staying, keeping that belief that you can do this. It's yeah. hard to keep that belief for a long period of time. It is. It is daunting. This is the reason I'm in business because I help people <laughs> yeah. pull that off. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, get a good uh, ghostwriter or at least a good editor and publisher to make sure it, uh, it gets done. Because yeah, there's a lot of people that have great ideas and stories, but it's a daunting, overwhelming marathon to, totally. to get a book done. Yeah. What was the uh, what was your um, motivation for getting the book out? You know, I I found, well, as I say, it was my COVID project. I found myself with some time. And uh, the other option was homeschooling the children. So my husband drew that straw and I was writing the book. So it worked out for both of us. Um, kids the book. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I and I, I mean, I was never one of those people who was like, oh, I always there's a book I want to write. Yeah. I really like to organize. I have lots of binders. You can, can't see them on the bottom of my shelves yeah. back here. But I've got all kinds of binders of materials um, of things that I've used throughout the years. And I keep everything mm -hmm. and I organize it. And I thought, you know what? I know 
like I got lots of information on leading change and I just kept having these ideas and I'm like, it really takes conversation. So I had sort of different iterations of um, here's the five sets of people you need to talk with about change or here's the conversations you need to have. And it took me a while to sort of wrestle it to the ground. Um, but I came up with my own sort of change model on all the things that I've seen over the years is how you move people through change. And then I've lined up all the conversations around that going, okay, if you take this, take your field guide. And if you started at conversation one and worked all the way through all 20 conversations, you would do an amazing job. You don't yeah. have to do that though. You can pick and choose your own adventure depending on your situation. So it was really just an opportunity for me to organize all my stuff, which is something I love to do. And uh, it turned into a book. Nice. Hold up the book again. Take a, people take a, take a look at it right in the camera. Right I have in to figure out put, like... put it in front of your faces. Okay. <laughs> Jennifer Campbell, Talking Change, the must-have conversations for successful leaders, not the unsuccessful Not leaders. the unsuccessful ones. Yeah. And I do wow. a lot of work with just the leaders of, you know, I work with a lot of leaders in professional services and other mm -hmm industries where they've got a new team or a new mandate and i use a lot of the conversations out of the book so they may not be coming in saying i have like a change that has a start and an end they just know that i need to move my group forward i need to move my agenda forward and how is that going to be so i use a lot of the stuff so it's not just for you know the change that has a beginning and an end like a system implementation it's right. for how do you lead every day because if you're a leader you lead change yeah nice okay um, how can people get the book or get a hold of you? Because or your is your sales pitch time. It's my sales pitch time. Self, self shameless promotion. Go for it. <laughs> uh, the book is available on Amazon, so yeah. you can find it. Talking change must have actually. If you just do talking change, Jennifer Campbell, the book should pop up. Got it. And you can order that on Amazon in either ebook or paper copy. Mm -hmm. uh, audiobook hopefully be coming out later this year uh, working on that yeah and uh you can find me at actionimpactmovement.com so a action impact movement aim uh actionimpactmovement.com and i've got all sorts of uh stuff on the website i've got actually my own podcast as well a little short one so two minutes of talking change where nice. i give little tips in two minutes sometimes two and a half minutes um, right. on just, you know, what's the quick tip of the week that you can take away and use right now. Sometimes right. I pull stuff right from the book. Sometimes I pull it from some clients I'm working on. Sometimes mm -hmm. I pull it based on my uh, ski turns last week in uh, 28 inches of powder one day, which was nice. Nice. All those links yeah. are below folks. All those links are below the, oh, uh, in the show notes here. You can go down and click on her, her uh, website, her, her podcast, as well as a book there. So you can just click below and get that stuff. Any closing comments on change, Jennifer? What would if I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm interested. Uh, one tip, one thing I can do to, to overcome my fear of, of loss or control here. Engage yourself in the conversation. Yeah. Chapter three out of the book on resistance. Read that. Yeah. Go through the list of all the things you think you're going to lose during change within your organization. If you're having change in your organization or, or at home yeah. and uh, have some aha moments for yourself. Because if you, I always say, if you can embrace change, you yeah. will live, lead, feel, and do better. So embrace oh, change, okay. lead better. Embrace change, lead better. But our guest, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the show today. Folks, it's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that ends the show today with the uh, Author Brand Show. You're going to want to take notes. I hope you did. If not, click the show notes below and subscribe because subscribers get special goodies from us. Uh, that concludes today. Thank you very much.